I want, if you will, to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. And I'd like to, uh, in the short time that we have left, I'd like to have some of you read. So if somebody wants to turn there and actually read that. Anybody ever done sword drills where you call out a scripture and see who gets there fastest? We'll do it that way. So whoever gets there first, just read it out loud. All right. And the name is important, isn't it? Now, I understand I went a few weeks after I was born without a name. Everybody disagreeing what I should be called. So I think I was called Baby for a while. Was that true, Mom? Or baby, yeah. Yeah. But don't call me Baby now. It might be a little awkward because I'm your pastor. But anyway, I, was, I didn't get a name. And then, after, and then after we moved to Arkansas, I decided that I'd change it. And I kind of went, I wish I hadn't. I changed it to CJ, but it stands for Clyde Jr. And I think I should have stuck with Clyde Jr. But, you know, I've done it so long now, um, it just seemed... Maybe immature for me to change it again because everybody they used to call me CJ. But it's it's just as in English today, a reference in Hebrew to people's names referred to their reputation and their character. Names have always been important in our society. We've really kind of diminished the the importance of the name, but a good name, a name that people recognize. It's it's like uh, you know many. It works the same for businesses. We just don't always think of it that way because not all businesses are called by the business owner anymore. But, uh, for instance, if if you have a Walmart, Walton's, if it was called Walton Store, I mean, obviously now everybody knows the Walton Store. They know Walmart. So name is important. And in those in the biblical times, especially Hebrew people, their names were referred to, it referred to their reputation, their character. It wasn't just to identify, hey, that's that family. It was really who they were. It was their actions, their deeds. Everything was associated with that name. In fact, we often speak of maintaining or restoring our good name, meaning our good reputation. You know, my, my last name, Brummett, it had such a, a, a rich heritage of ministers and mi- uh, missionaries. And, and with my dad, I, I feared going into ministry. What if I mess up the name? Likewise, God's name stands for his character embodied through his actions and behavior. This is one of the things that has happened through the uh, history of mankind that we may, not have, we may not have always associated that way, but it came from God. God put importance on his name, and that also projected onto his children. If, if my dad considers his name important, and he gets upset if any of us tarnish the name, then I would tend to think that that's important. That's how children learn. And so God has passed it on to his creation. So his name is connected with his reputation. These are all components of a great name theology in Old Testament. God reveals his name in many different forms and aspects as a way of inviting his people to live with him in a dynamic, intimate relationship. And we've often talked about how controversial the name is, uh, named Jesus is. I guarantee you, you can walk through most places in the world and you could say many other gods' names, but you say Jesus and people take note or duck and hide. It, it brings a reaction. The name of Jesus always brings a reaction. It may not be external, but people react to it, guaranteed. God's name tells us what kind of God he is. And I, I'll get a little bit into it. We're not going to do a deep study into this, but just so you know, his name is not God. 
That's not the official name of God. That's the English translation, but that's not really his name. In fact, there are over 300 names for God given in the Bible. And so we ask ourselves, why so many? Why uh, Are you having to duck God? Oh, that name didn't work out so good for me. I think I'll pick another. Now he's on name number 300. No, that's not the case. It's likely it's because no name can adequately convey all that God is. It, it's like the, the color spectrum. You have to have a different name for different colors to be able to determine which color is which, right? If you saw all the colors in this room and just said, hey, look at all that blue. That doesn't work. There's blue, there's maroon, there's black, there's, there's brown, there's all kinds of colors in this room. And so it's important to have a name that describes each one. And God is so difficult to describe because he's so awesome. There's so many things about him that requires many names. Each is a revelation of the holy, sacred character of God. And listen, this isn't where I was going to put this, but... I just feel, I feel prompted to, to say this. When we were talking earlier and I said that there is a place that you can get God, it's not a level, but a place. What I mean by level is in the American psyche, everything is driven by consumer mentality. And when I start talking about you're not at a, play, at a place, you start equating it to I'm not at a level. I'm not, I'm not as big a Christian as you are. I'm not as good a Christian. It, it's, it's not that way. It's just sometimes we have not discovered something about uh, God or we have not experienced something with God that, that we get led to by somebody else. It's like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's like when Paul found those believers that had never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they knew of the baptism of John the Baptist, but they had never heard of this Holy Spirit baptism. So there's times when we discover things that we uh, were led to by another believer that we did not know about. And so it's not about a different level, but a different place. And so... Um, Understanding the power of the name of God, the full gravity of being able to call on his name. See, this is supposed to be later in it, but I'm just telling you, this is where we're heading with this. It's to release in you the power of God's name by knowing that you can call on his name and there's power in it. See, some people say, okay, I know Jesus' name is controversial. I know, I know we sing there's power in, in his name, but, but truly... Your faith in him needs to connect with the fact when you speak his name, you need to believe something's going to happen. Now, spiritualists, people are into demonic things, they believe that you can invoke somebody's name, a dead person's name, a spirit's name. They believe that, and they try it, and they open bad doors to that. But, but it's like what I've said many times before. What I've discovered is every time God has something that's powerful and true and correct, the devil will mimic it, and there'll be a, a copy. There'll be a counterfeit of that. And so we understand that if, if the other side knows that invoking a name, there's power in that, then imagine that God being the one that wins the victory in the end is all powerful. Then, then when you say his name, you need to be saying it with intent of something happening. And that's why I get a little nerd when we say little things that kind of hint to his name, like people used to use his name in vain, and so now we might say Jesus instead of Jesus. And, and maybe you grew up, that's not a big deal to you. To me, I just tell you, it does kind of give me a little reaction inside when you do that. And because I truly have connected and feel that there is power and I reserve the name of Jesus only when I am calling on him as a living, breathing God who is going to speak back to me. It's the only time I use his name. I'm not going to use his name or teaching you about him, but, but even as I teach and I say the name Jesus teaching you, I believe that he's interacting with me. 
I don't believe I ever say it and it doesn't have any um, response from him. You see what I'm saying? So, so the importance of tonight's um, lesson, if you will, is for us to understand that there is such an incredible high importance on the name of Jesus that we need to understand that that needs to connect with our faith. It needs to connect with us in a way that when we say his name, we expect something to happen. So, for example, God is a holy God. The only attribute of God repeated three times is holy, holy, holy. We sang a song referencing to that. In the book of Revelation, it talks about in heaven that, that their angels, that all they're doing for all of time's sake is holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Because it can't be said enough, right? And we'll see a reference to that if you were to look in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. You don't need to turn there, but if you're make, taking notes, which you should then Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3 would be a good note to take to look at later. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When we say God is a holy God, that means that not only is He different, but that nothing can compare with Him. He is distinct, unique, one of a kind. He is God and we are not. It's why when I get in conversation with someone who wants to argue about whether God is real or not, it, it's not that I don't have anything to say. It's not that I don't have evidence. It's not that I don't believe he's real. It's just, can I just say, honestly, sometimes I feel like I'm wasting my time. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're wanting me to try to explain to you and compare to you God and, and put it in some kind of human reference that will somehow make logical sense to you. And, and I want to just say, there's really no point in discussing this because you have to open your heart into experiencing him before, because the Bible says all this is going to be foolishness to you anyway. If you aren't willing to let the Holy Spirit do a work in you, if you're closed to the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit by his word, then, then logical explanations are getting us nowhere. You still should, you should still be able to give an account for what you believe, but sometimes with some people, it's not that it's a waste of time, it's just that they are wasting time. So, nothing can compare with him. He's distinct, unique, one of a kind. He's God and we are not. I used to have a professor, I had a professor in Bible college that he started out many of the classes say, I want you to repeat after me, and you can go ahead and repeat with me. There is a God, and I am not he. He always wanted to level set, just so you know, because, right, the age-old temptation, Satan, before he was Satan, he was Lucifer, right, he fell from heaven because of pride, because what? He, he wanted to be in God's spot. So there is a God, I am not he. So, He's also a sanctuary, a consecrated place, a place of refuge, a place of protection. Another thing is, you know, Jen took a picture of someone, uh, Jennifer Watson, speaking right about here. And all I saw was the stains on the carpet. I said, honey, next time you take a picture in our sanctuary and post online, will you please just elevate it a little bit, crop out the ceiling, and <laughs> just get the person. Because, I, because I, it's not because I'm embarrassed for my own sake, but because this is a holy sanctuary. It's not that God only resides in here, but this is a place consecrated, set apart for us to come in and worship him. It's a designated place for us to worship corporately together. So I don't tell people not to spill, uh, you know, I don't want people to not spill things on the carpet because I'm worried about our precious carpet. It's, it's just, I want to always maintain a respect for God's place. Now, there's some religion that got attached to that somewhere along the way. And we, we you know, when uh, I always joke about, I wonder about the time when suits used to be too fancy and were sinful because they were too flashy, right? You know, now 
if you don't wear a suit to church in some churches, you're not being respectful. So there's always, what, res- what is respectful, my point is, is always kind of consequential to people's background or their time of living or whatever. So you have to be careful down that slippery slope. And, you know, if a kid walks in with a hat and it's his first time and he had to work up a lot of courage to just come to church and someone comes and flips the hat off his head and says, that's not respectful in God's house, you know, then I think we're on the wrong, I think we're on the wrong uh, path there. But we need to understand that, that this is a holy place, but it's more about a matter of the heart than that word appearance, as long as it's modest. But it's more about a matter of the heart. So it's a consecrated place, a place of refuge, a place of protection. And with God, we find sacredness and peace and calmness and protection and refuge from a world that has hurt us and abused us. And so we come into this place, and what's synonymous with his name is the church, which is the body of people. But when we give a church a name like New Song, we protect that name. Why? Because we're trying to outdo First Baptist or Reach Church. I mean, maybe that's in some people's hearts because it's easy to get competitive. I get that way. But, but truly, if you really um, let the Holy Spirit convict you of it, the thing is, is we're not competing with them, but we protect the name of New Song because that came from a vision of a founding pastor who said this is a place where the hurting and broken will come, and there's importance to this name, and we protect it because it's, it's connected with the name of God. It's not that New Song's in the Bible, and it's, a, you know, it's not that it's uh, scriptural. It's just that the fact that any time you associate something with God and his ministry, you protect it. It's, it's a sanctuary. It's a place where we come. This may be the sanctuary itself, but this this piece of property, ministry has happened on. Lives have been changed. Souls have been saved. People have been baptized. People have been discipled. This is a holy place. And when you go into your church office and take this outside the four walls and you begin to witness to people and they get saved at the office and you take them out in the parking lot and dump a bunch of water on them to baptize them, when you do all that, and then that's a sanctuary that becomes a holy place. But it's because God is holy. And when you are bringing people to him, that place becomes holy. Coming to God is like coming home, we, where, where we know we are safe, we're accepted, we're loved, and, it's, uh, and there's nothing we had to do to earn it. And that's the awesome story about being adopted into God's family is you didn't have to do anything to earn it, you had to accept it. That was it. That's why I've said many times, ki- uh, kids who have been adopted can understand this from God's uh, understand this about God better than anybody else because they understand what it is to be accepted just because it's offered not because you earned it not because of anything but because you're just loved just love for who you are come in and be a part of my family and that's what God does some of us that weren't adopted it, it's a little bit harder for us because we we sometimes feel entitled you know Mom, Dad, you had me, now you've got to feed me. You've got to get me a car and insurance and gas. And that can keep going. Some parents are kids like, uh-uh, oh, yeah. don't matter. Don't matter whether you adopt or not you. And that's, and, and you know, I grew up, uh, you know, my dad at one time, I, uh, I, I can't remember what the deal was over, but uh, mad enough or whatever, I, oh, I'll leave home. Okay, that's fine, I'll leave the car keys here because I pay your insurance. Wait a minute, that's my ride out of here. <laughs> nope. I paid for the car. It doesn't matter. You can't afford your insurance, so can you stay here, right? Um, so it, it, coming to God is like coming home, but in a home where you were just adopted in. It, it's like, how many of you have seen the movie Annie? I haven't seen the new one. It's probably hokey. The, all of the original ones are good, right? The original one, 
tomorrow, tomorrow. 260-pound bearded man singing that. That's, that's something to go home and talk about, right? Tomorrow, I love you, tomorrow. The whole story is about a little girl who, who, who was, uh, was brought up in misfortune, right? And Daddy Warbucks. Surprised I knew that, didn't you, Robert? Daddy Warbucks, right? Mr. Clean. Shave head, but he was wealthy, super wealthy. And so everybody loves that story, right? Rags to riches. And, and he just accepted her and loved her, right? Then we come to his merciful God. While we deserve God's justice and punishment, he chooses instead to look upon us with mercy. And aren't you thankful for that? I, I hate to admit it because pride makes me want, not want to admit it, but I guarantee you in the last two weeks I've done at least a half a dozen things that deserve God's punishment. But he's merciful. Alpha and Omega. The Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet, and the Omega is the last letter. Therefore, God is the A to Z. He's the beginning and the end, and everything in between. He's all we need. You know, those can be just words. They can be just words to you. He's the everything. Okay, I get that. But God, I, I, just, I just need me a cup of coffee. That's what I need. I need me a cup of coffee. The truth is, I don't need that cup of coffee. God is my sustainer. I don't need my rent paid if I truly have all my faith in him. He doesn't want me to be lazy and sit on my rear end when he's given me an opportunity to have a job and pay for those things, but he's the one that gave me the energy to get the job. He's our everything, our A to Z, every single thing. And here's, here's what really brings it to a level set is the fact is he holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. So the fact that you're still breathing right now, you owe him. Because you aren't guaranteed another second. Everybody just hold your breath for just a few minutes unless you have a medical condition. A little disclaimer, here's where the little worlds roll down the screen. Fast talker. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, you breathe. I was just checking the blue against <laughs> Brother Bill. You know, you're thankful for that breath, right? If I had ultimate authority over you and I just wanted to mess with you and make you hold it till you're about to pass out and wondering if I'm going to let you live. So one thing, you know, that's where we disconnect from the fact he's a loving Heavenly Father. He gives you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. It's just like when you come in, if you sit on it as a bump on a log through worship, he could zap you. Lightning could come through and just cut a hole just big enough to zap you and everybody else be safe and you'd be gone. And wouldn't that start revival? Different motivation for revival than normal, but that would start revival. <laughs> Especially if we were doing live stream and that caught out through the World Wide Web. Everybody be trying to cram in here, get me, just let me in, let me in before I get struck, right? <laughs> Especially if you could prove those fact that they didn't worship, right? That's why I tell my kids, I will, I will force you to go to church because you live in my house and that's the way it is. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I cannot make you worship, but you will stand. And consequently... Don't go tell them, but tell me if you don't see my kids standing because it's, been a, it's already been laid down. You will stand. You will give respect. You'll give respect to God, whether you, whether you want to worship him or not. But as for me and my house, you're going to serve the Lord. You're going to at least stand and honor the king. So be watching him. He's the beginning and the end. Everything in between, he's all we need. It's the same, it's the name of God that we need to call on. We need him and all the, the, and all the character and attributes that he brings us. See, it's not just about calling on his name. You're calling on everything he's written about himself and promised. 
Jesus, my healer. Yes, and when you say that, you better be expecting that he is answering. I didn't get healed right away. Well, multiple things. We could go in and people get nervous when I get on this, but you could, you know, I'm not, not every time it's going to have to do with faith, but it can. It can be because you didn't have faith in him healing you. But every time somebody doesn't get healed does not mean that they didn't have faith. It also can be like Job. Well, the devil's trying to mess with you and God's just going to prove to him that his, his man or his woman will see it through. So that chronic pain that you're having in your back forever, and you've been prayed for and prayed for and prayed for, and it's not going away. And you're like, why would God let me be miserable? Because he believes you can handle it, and he knows that while you're being tested, you'll still serve him. He's given you just enough that you can handle. Humans first began calling on the name of the Lord in Genesis 4.26. At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. When we all call on God's name, it's more than using a moniker to address him. Or the Webster's definition of moniker is just a name. It's like, you know, Hoosiers, basketball, Cornhuskers, Nebraska football. It's more than just having a name associated with who he is as his institution of God. It's, it's all that he is. We're calling on his character, his reputation, his attributes, his power, his presence. A couple other scripture passages I'll give you is Genesis 11.4. Will somebody turn there and read it? Sword drill number two. And I'm going to have to turn this into a two-part message. Genesis 11, chapter 11, verse 4. Second Samuel seven, Second Samuel chapter seven. If you can get there, it's verses eighteen through twenty nine. Second Samuel chapter seven, verses eighteen through twenty nine. Who will it be? Who will it be? Who's gonna get it? Uh, 18 through So the dichotomy of you've got a group of people who want to go make a name for themselves and then one who like, who, who am I and what is my family that you should, that you should use us? I mean, you're a great God and gives him uh, glory. We've all heard about people who left humble beginnings to find greatness or stardom or riches. That's why shows like America's Got Talent sells so much. That's why it got so much attention because everybody loves that you know, stardom that they started with nothing. And a kid who becomes a world-class athlete who's just a farm, a farm kid before that, a poor man who becomes a successful entrepreneur, the girl from a broken home that becomes a movie star. Often just one of their names is all that's needed to recognize who they are. It's like when you say Trump. 
How many Trumps, probably, how many people probably have that last name? There might be a lot. But when I say it, you're only thinking of one person, aren't you? Bush. Only think of, well, two, three. Oprah. Yeah, there's one, right? Only one, thank goodness. But they've earned, they've earned this success or status. And as their achievements increase, a greater reputation is gained. And they, as we say, have made a name for themselves. Hence, associated with the name is uh, being renowned, the glory, the, the fame. And this need to make a name for ourselves has been one of the, la- the, the, mo- the biggest problems with mankind. It's really what drives us many times, and it shouldn't, but we say we may want to work unto, as unto the Lord. But when you go to work, many times it's, I want to I be able to get that promotion. So that everybody looks at me and says, you got it. More money. Everybody's going to look at me. I'm successful. I'm providing better for my family. I've got a bigger house. You want the bigger house because it's bigger than the other people you know have. And they're going to like you more, right? Because you've got the big house. It's, it's just that competitiveness, that, that pride to make a name for ourselves. Even from the beginning of time, we want to make a name for ourselves. We find this desire in early history. The, on the plain of Sinar, the world's population settled. And we can read the story in Genesis 11. And all the inhabitants increased. And the people wanted to build a tower that reached the heavens. Why? For the glory of God? No. Why would they want to pursue such an action? Think about the man hours and the labor and the danger and the death that would come along with it. You, you build a tower to heaven, people are going to die. Listen, when we built my house, the, on one side of the house is like 30 feet. We built scaffolding up to a certain point, but we, it was getting kind of shifty. The ground was not level. And so we had like a two by eight board on the very top one. And there's a little peak and we were painting. That's the last thing I knew is paint. And there was a section up there that... I would have to stand on that two-by-eight board and swipe it. Now, I was trying to do two coats everywhere, but I was going to be happy with one right there, just so you know it was painted. And I climbed up there, and I sat there. I don't know. It seemed like forever, for about five minutes. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm getting ready to stand, and I'm trusting that this is not the day that you're taking me home. And I got up, stood up, got down, like, thank you, Jesus, right? They were going to build a tower to heaven. They were going to keep going until they reached heaven. Wherever that was, but they didn't know, but they were going to keep going. But it was to build a name for themselves. It says in Genesis 11, 4, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top into the sky. Let us make a name for ourselves. So the problem with that building of the Tower of Babel was that the builders wanted to exalt their own name in the process, not God's name. And the same problem stems from anything you do in your life where the goal is for you to bring glory to yourself and not to God. Now, listen, I can't keep myself from doing it all the time either. It just, it creeps in. You know, I I joked about it and it really never was a reality. I've never really felt, well, maybe I shouldn't say that. Let me think about this. Have I ever felt any jealousy over the other church building down the road? I don't think so. I think I've been happy for them. I don't think in this case. But it'd be real easy. You know, I said, when you stand on our land, our, our building looks bigger than theirs. As long as I never go down to their land and look back to ours, then I always feel like ours is bigger, right? And that whole competitive thing comes in. And I was joking about it, but it's true. As long as you stand on our land looking at their building, theirs looks smaller. But they were going to build it for their own thing. And so we do these things. You know, Walmart, I hate to pick on them, but I worked there seven and a half years at the corporate office, and there's no other place that is more tempting to get into that rut of, 
You know, Pastor Jim used to hear it from me all the time. Oh, I come in, the first thing I want to tell him is like, hey, there's this thing on the wire, which is where you look for new jobs. And if I can just do this, I could get to this spot, which might put me in a position to get to this spot, which would be this much money. And then if you get to this spot, you're making at least this. And that's all I cared about. I'd look to see what the pay, pay levels were. And what was I doing it for? Oh, now if I got pinned down by pastor, it was going to be, well, think about the tithe. Think about how much more tithe that'd be. I mean, if I get double my income, that'd be double the tithe, right? But that's not really what I was thinking about. What I was thinking about is, hey, I don't have to worry about trying to redo that budget every time to try to squeeze out another 10 bucks for groceries each month because the kids are eating more. It's just once you get to certain points, like eat all you want, we can make more money. I'm printing it in the basement almost, you know? <laughs> that's, that's the goal is get to that kind of money, right? Just do whatever you want. I don't care. I got money. I'm rolling in it, you know? So they were building the tower, and, and uh, it was for their own glory. So the problem with building the Tower of Babel is that the builders wanted to exalt their own name in the process, not God's. Ted Williams, the famous Boston Red Sox slugger, would often say this. He was quoted as saying, I want to walk down the street and have people say, there goes the greatest hitter in baseball. That was a mantra. That was a goal. That was something he stated publicly. That's what I want. That's what I'm shooting for. Is people say that's the greatest hitter in baseball. Nothing wrong with being the greatest hitter in baseball or building skyscrapers or amazing, uh, uh, amassing a fortune unless you receive the glory and the fame instead of God, unless you're not giving the glory to God. Likewise, God has made a name for himself. Remember Tim Tebow? I'm not a football guy, so listen. I just All I know is the big hubbub about him giving glory to God, right, and praying, and his faith was out there, and, and, and he got mocked a lot. But he understood the importance of God's got me here. I'm going to give him glory for it. And likewise, God has made a name for himself. David prayed, this is why you are great, Lord God. There is no one like you, and there is no God beside you. As all we have heard confirms, and who is like your people, Israel. God came to one nation on earth in order to redeem people for himself. To make a name for himself. But it really wasn't God just trying to make a name for himself. He didn't have anybody to compete with. There's no other God that he's competing with. It's really not that. Let me close out with this. You want to know why God, why God really wants to make a name for himself? Because it's not really making a name for himself. It's really about his investment. You see, he created something that he said is very good, which is you and I. He said it is very good. And so he's very proud of that. But then Satan came in and really messed with his creation. And God has invested and invested and invested us. You know, my boys, when they get, you know, have you ever heard somebody say, oh, my son Johnny, he just passed the bar. And you hear people brag on the kid. Oh, my child just graduated doctorate school. They just graduated from Princeton or something. And you're like, whoa, wow, you know. And why are they walking around? Why is it that grandmas and grandpas can't quit talking about their grandkids? Well, they're cute to them, at least, over everybody else, no matter if the kid's cute or not. Yeah, see, the, the grandparent will never see them any different, right? Okay, we got to close, but I got to tell you this. Colton Caleb aren't here. Did you know I had a, God really messed with me when the boys were born? I thought they were really ugly when they first came out. I was like, oh, Lord, I've got to love these boys. I don't know if I can look at them. <laughs> A couple hours later, they looked a lot better. But anyway, <laughs> and then they were cute as could be. That's just between you and I. But anyway, 
But you, you brag on them because, because why? Listen, there's something, there's something that's very much godlike in grandparents and why they do that. And it's because the investment has been multiplied. Because they had those children through pain, physical, financial, otherwise. They raised them. They worried about them at night. They stayed up when they came home late. They did all these things. The car wreck that they maybe thought they lost them and all those things and they invested. And then finally they get them launched and they go and they've finally been able to reproduce what God had blessed them with, the family unit. And they see themselves. They get to live vicariously through the youth of their kids again. They see it happening and they're like, this is an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing to see your kids grow, especially when they're godly kids, right? And then when they have grand, when they have kids and you have grandkids, you're your investments just, it's like that interest that just keeps compounding. But see, the thing is, is there's something that happens. They see those grandkids as perfect and their kids as not. So it's like, now I finally got a good investment, <laughs> right? God is not trying to make a name for himself. He's wanting to see his investment grow. He's so proud of you when the investment he's put in you, when oh, you take wow. that and you build off of it and the, the abilities he's given you, and the talents he's given you, and you use that, and he sees his, he sees his glory coming out of you. He, he sees you bypassing what sin and, and Satan wanted to do to you, and, and he, he sees you overcoming that, and it just fills his heart with pride and joy, the right kind of pride and joy over his creation. So it's important to God that his children are successful. It's important to him that they reproduce and they multiply, and it's important to him that they continue to win others for the kingdom because they're all his children that some have just been wayward. So when we call on the name of God, we're calling on the name of good heavenly father, on Abba Daddy, right? And we realize Jesus, a friend that sticks close to the brother, we're not just saying a name. All his promises. Where two or more are gathered, there I am also. Lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. He, he's saying, when you call my name, he's like, you better expect me to, to respond because my name means more to me than just a name. It's all the investment I put in my creation. I've invested so much in you and, and I want nothing more than for you to be successful. That's the importance of his name. And when you walk in a room and someone is, about to, to, is just in pain and on death's door and you say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. In the name of Jesus, I command the, the, the enemies of God to depart and to leave this place, to leave this family alone. And this husband and wife would not separate. These kids would grow up with a family. When you say the name of Jesus, you need to understand you're not just saying something you learned in Bible school or, or, or Sunday school or some name that's just written in the Bible. You're literally, I don't like to use the word invoking, but you're calling on, you're prompting every action every characteristic, everything about God and his character, you're calling it down from heaven. All of that in God's word, you're speaking it. And so there's power in it. And see if you connect your faith to that and understand that I'm not some weakling who just knows a little bit about the Bible. When you pray, see, that's what I'm talking about. When you have a vibrant relationship with it, when it's living in you and you get up and you start singing these songs and it's just about to tear you apart and you're just ready to go kick the devil in the teeth and all that's welling up inside you. That's the time you say, God of heaven, raise up these people. Send them out of this place that others may come to know you. 
that they won't, they won't shake in their boots when someone mocks them, you know, or mocks your name. But they say, it doesn't matter. I'll shake the dust off my feet, but I'm going after the next one and the next one and the next one. And when the devil comes after people over their health or their finances or their marriage, I'm not going to just sit back and watch it and say, I wish I knew what to do. I wish I had the words to say to them. You have the words to say. You call on the name of Jesus. And all that's written about him comes forth. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Jesus. 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 We just pray right now that, that, that your name, Lord, and all, all that encompasses your name right now begins to beat in the hearts of the people in this place. Jesus. 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 We pray that your power be unleashed in their spirit, God. Jesus, Jesus, we pray that the Holy Spirit baptism would fall on those, Lord, who desire to have more of you. In the name of Jesus, we pray right now that the tongues, Lord, of, uh, of angels, Lord, that the, the, the heavenly language that you've, you've given us to be able to pray, Lord, when the devil tries to interrupt our prayers, but to intercede, God, that you begin to bring that gift to everyone, God that they'd be receptive to it because it's in your word, because it's truth, and because it's associated with your name, the power of your name, that everything written in that book we want and desire because it's of you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, everyone more than a conqueror, everyone more than a conqueror. No more weakness in our mind. No more bowing down to the to the to the, the downgrading the devil tries to do to us, saying we're not able, we're not healthy enough, we're not able enough. In the name of Jesus, every need represented here, God, not not for our name's sake. Provision and finances, Lord, bringing marriages back together, Lord, healing healing the sick, Lord. For your glory, for your investment, in the name of Jesus. We thank you and praise you. If every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here tonight and you say, I need, I need an answer to something in my life and I need the power of the name of Jesus right now. I need, I need to know that this is what you've spoken tonight, Pastor CJ, what you've said in, in, from God's Word that right now it's ringing true in my spirit, but I need that power and action in my life. Maybe I've been focused on, on competing, Lord, in this world and, 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 and not focusing on glorifying you. Maybe it's I've not been uh, seeking things for the right reason, whatever it is, but I need the power of your name at work in my life. The power of every, every bit of your characteristics every bit of your character and your nature, every bit of what you've promised in your word, I need in action in my life. No more reading your word for history's sake or just because I feel that's duty as a Christian, but I read it because I want it to come alive in my life. I pray to you because I believe and expect that you are already responding. I call on your name because I know when I do that there is a response that there's never a time that you are not responding to when I call on your name. You're here tonight and you say, I need the Lord to do a miracle in my life that I truly connect my faith to the power, the majesty, the work that his name will do in my life. I want you to just raise your hand shortly. I need, I need to connect my faith to the power of the name of God. All the truths of his word 
all the promises. I need to believe it like I've never believed it before. I need to live it like I've never lived it before. I need Jesus to help me to be, to be more than a conqueror in Him. Thank you, in Jesus' name. I pray for you right now, in Jesus' name, that, that those that raise their hand, those that in their hearts, they know that they need you, Lord, to do a miracle in their life, that, that God, right now, that their faith is not tied to the power of your name. It's, it's tied to religion or to, to how they've done church of the past, but God, they need it to be a vibrant relationship with you where they understand that when they say your name, that powerful things are at work. While your heads are still bad, I want to just complete what I started with. When I was in that parking lot, crying my eyes out over the death of Pastor Jim, little did I know that me crying out and calling on the name of Jesus for comfort, all I was asking for is bring peace to my heart. It hurts so bad. I don't think I can take this kind of pain and anguish. Little did I know while I was praying for a little comfort, he was preparing my destiny to be the to to one day fill this pulpit after Pastor Jim. See, the thing is, in the middle of those times when you think that everything's been wiped out, everything's been crushed, you feel dried up, you feel like you don't even know what end is up next, you're just completely crushed. God is beginning to write your future. In that moment, when you call out to him, when you call on his name, he is writing your future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you as we go tonight. Just take everyone home safely and help us rest well tonight. And Lord, that new song in our heart in the morning, that you'll draw us close to you, that we'll spend time with you morning, not just speaking to you, not just asking of you, Lord, but listening and calling on your name. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Love y'all. And uh, Sunday, come Sunday, it'll be an excellent time of worship God's word again.